you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hey, what's up? This is the R&B Podcast. I am Nate Burleson. And I'm Real Mike Rob. Have to check out the show today. We got the very beautiful and talented Vivica Fox. Dude, I can't believe it, man. She was awesome, man. We, we had some great topics. We oh, talked yeah. about, what we talk about, Nate? We talked about Independence Day Resurgence. Yes. What we talked about out. Carolina, yeah. Golden State. Man, she was an avid sports fan. Oh, yeah. It's avid. A, it's one of the best shows we've had. It, so it before be. you do anything, make sure you check out this show. You're going to love it. The R&B Podcast. Check it out, NFL.com slash podcast and on iTunes. And subscribe, comment, all of those things. Follow us on Twitter, at Real Mike Rob At Nate13Burleson. This is the R&B Podcast. Peace. Going to the hurry-up offense. Welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, joined in Studio 66 by around the NFL's Dan Hanzoos and our main man at the news desk, Patrick Claybon. We'll get into it with both these fellas in deep in just a second here. But real quick, it is time for the hurry up. Who is, fellas, or who made the better comeback in sports history? Was it the 2016 Cleveland Cavaliers down three games to one to the 73-win Golden State Warriors? They win two in the building that the Warriors had only lost once in the regular season, or is it still the ought for Boston Red Sox who rallied from down 3-0 against the vaunted, hated rival New York Yankees who had thumped them 19-8 in game three? Then the Red Sox swept that one. Which is the better comeback? Go ahead, Yankees fan Dan Hanzoos. Weigh in. I can't believe you had me on the show to talk about the 4 <laughs> Yankees. But uh, uh, what, the Golden, what the Cleveland Cavaliers pulled off was more impressive to me. Because if you know the history of the Yankees-Red Sox, those are two very evenly matched teams, and the Yankees probably shouldn't have been enough 3-0 in the first place despite the Game 3 blowout. Their bullpen was cooked. All the magic was set up for the Red Sox, and then the ball started rolling. The Warriors, they were, it was over. When they won that Game 4 on, uh, on, in Cleveland on the Friday night, 
Who thought this would ever even get to seven games? One better. When it was 2-0, after they had thumped them two in a row, everybody declared the series over. Claybon, how say you? I think we're going to remember the 2015-2016 Golden State Warriors a lot more than we do the 2004 Yankees. The only thing I remember about mm. the 2004 Yankees is they lost to the Red Sox. Not a historic team. The Warriors were. Yeah. Dave That's Rob- exactly right. I mean, right. Dave Roberts steals the base. It's, it's crazy. I'll, I'll, I'm not a baseball guy. I'll always remember it, but – that's the ALCS. It wasn't the World Series. One of the better teams of an era, at least, were those odd four Yankees, though. I think they won 102 or 104, so they were no slouches. But to your point, Golden State Warriors are, by number, the greatest regular season team in the history of the league. So, yes, the greater feat goes there. The one thing people will say is – the Red Sox v. Yankees is that historic rivalry, and so that trumps Warriors, you know, Cleveland beating a team from the West Coast, except for the fact that that ignores the individual rivalry, which isn't to say Steph and LeBron don't respect one another, but LeBron, whether you like it or not, was threatened, or not threatened, but felt like he was being stepped over into a new generation, into a new star in Steph Curry, who's now the reigning MVP. LeBron... You can tell had a little chip on his shoulder there. So in that individual rivalry and in, and and as far as LeBron's individual sort of legacy and what it will be now, and what this means to that to get over the hump and for the city of Cleveland, glorious stuff. Next up, Rams are here in Los Angeles now. We've been buzzing about this for the better part of a week. Claybon, I'm going to start with you. You're childless for now. Then we'll get to to Papa Hanzus over there. <laughs> okay. Morally, is it all right to now start rooting for the L.A. Rams if you hail from somewhere else and have a pre-existing rooting interest? I, I think I've always thought you could root for whoever you want to. I, I always thought that was weird. Where we don't be loosey goosey. I'm not being loosey goosey. Classic cl- Claybon right here. No, it, if somebody likes a team, they can like them for whatever reason, and liking them because they're here sounds like a good reason to me. I'm not gonna. Or a society who, of laws, Claybon. You don't I? just make you don't make rules. No, for I definitely don't make rules, and that's that's how I feel about it. Kansas, <laughs> how say you? You have a little one. You have a two-year-old a boy Jack. in your home. Then another on the way. What if he decides to be a Ram? Yes, and muzzle tub on that news. <laughs> Thank you. And to you. Thank you. Your impending birth. Uh, you guys are v- – Honestly, the like 50% of the reason why my father and I are so close is because of the Yankees and the Jets and the Knicks. And it would be hurtful to me when I think about it now if my son rooted for a different football team. Now, I'm not saying – I'm not going to make him do certain things, but I really hope that doesn't happen. Uh, and maybe I have to move back to New York to make sure it doesn't happen. I'm not ruling that out, Dave. You uh, you know what? You really might have to because I cited and uh, Emma VP behind the glass put together a great little uh, video segment on this a week ago for us about the moral conundrum before these Rams start playing ball here in L.A. And, yeah, listen – if my kids want to like the Dodgers to fit in with the with the class, with their peers, all right. If they want to like the L.A. Kings, that's their business. If they want to turn their back on a, on a four-time champion in uh, the world of, uh, of professional hockey. But I might have to draw a line when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go ahead. You want to write root for the Rams? That's your business. Just don't do it in my house. Go sit out in the yard and root for your Rams. No, I'm, I'm not saying that. I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm with Hanzoos because that's right. And City and city Slickers, that uh, that is uh, referenced in, I forget which character, but he talks about that very issue. And maybe it seems empty to non-sports fans, but if you're listening, you probably like sports, so you can kind of relate to it. The connect, Yeah, you and your old man. That's a, I grew up a, a, a couple days here after Father's Day. 
My old man took me to all the ball games. Of course, uh, the black and gold means something to me. I'm not even happy at this point when the Penguins win the Stanley Cup. My joy is secondary to my family. I know that they're back there celebrating, so I'm happy for them. And this all ties in. I mean, I don't want my child being a Rams fan, but, you know, I get, it might happen. And the proximity principle is what ends up making the difference. You know, I'm nervous about it, Dave. Your attraction is based on what's closest to you. That's the way the human thing works. I'm not. I wouldn't be upset if Dan's feelings are hurt or your feelings are hurt. You have every right to have your feelings hurt. Mm-hmm. I just think, you know, it's it's okay if they want to choose. If they if my if my boys. Uh, let me say this because Claybon is making a good point, but I don't think you have a passionate rooting interest mm-hmm. for a professional team the way Dave and I root for our teams. Is that fair to say? That's that's absolutely. So it's kind of almost an apples and oranges discussion. And it's all, well, I'm speaking of apples and oranges. My children can inherit the greatest professional football team known <laughs> to man. Yours is like emotional child abuse. Yeah, you got to root for this team from See? New York, 4,000 <laughs> miles away. Yeah, I know they're, they're heartbreakers, but so what? Your old man, like, do you want to you make your pops happy, don't you, kid? As I've said many times, that <laughs> the, I am a rare Yankees-Jets fan, and I've needed the Yankees very much so in my lifetime to ba- bounce out all the Jets and Knicks garbage that I've dealt with. So I, I, have no, I have nothing to be ashamed of when it comes to rooting for the Yankees, and my son can deal with the Jets. Now, if I, if I had a child that grew up and had trash Twitter takes, then that would be disappointing. I would be very That sad. would be Claybon's uh, equivalent. <laughs> That's so true, and we're going to get into that a little bit. We want to talk a little bit of Skip Bayless. We want to talk best TV dads. Uh, uh, Jamison Crowder says DC has the best wide receiver collection. We want to debate whether or not that's true. But real quick to round up the hurry up here, the ESPN body issue is now out. This is when the most chiseled of all our our athletes uh, go nude for, uh, for our apparent pleasure here. Hanzoos, who would you least like to see in the sports world? They don't have to be an athlete. They just have to be in the sports world. Who would you least like to see in the body issue? Oh, so it could be anyone? Anybody. Could be yourself if you see if you decided. I could would be Damashek. I would not like to mistake. see myself in the body issue. I feel like I would end up in therapy. <laughs> uh, I wish Don Zimmer was still with us. <laughs> you can go historical. Okay, okay. I would love to see Don Zimmer nude. <laughs> Body issue. I don't know if anybody's going to be able to top that. Yeah, Zim in the nude. Claybon, how <laughs> say you? Yeah, it's it's tough to compete with uh, with Don Zimmer or anybody. Go Bear Bryant. No, I um, Bear at all. Is somebody Bryant. that I don't want to see <laughs> in in the body issue uh, under any circumstances. Yes. Yeah, that's what I'm asking. I, you. I, I do not want to see as a sports figure. Terrence Cody. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah, uh, Terrence Cody's large. I mean, I, I really feel the same about. Vince Wilfork that I do about anybody else. Yeah, my interest in seeing nah. certain dudes. Yeah, but they shine them up and they look. Even the guys that are rotund, they have like nice, nice curves to the to the figure. He's not going to look hideous, Vince. <laughs> How about Wade Phillips to get him in the body? I want to oh, see yeah. all these guys. I don't want. I don't want to see the the perfect specimens. I know. I kind. I kind of wouldn't mind seeing Vince Wilfork. I wouldn't. I, you know, I'm I'm curious what's going on there, and I like the idea of Zim as well. Yeah. I think what I wouldn't want to see, the thing that, uh, I, I, you know, here's a good one, Lou Holtz. <laughs> I don't want to see that. There's no way to shine that one up. Yeah, that's Lou Gehrig. Um, <laughs> Lou Gehrig. Start the show. Lou Gehrig shot. <laughs> David. Football. Football David. The Dave Damashek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave. Damashek. 
Yes, hi and hello, football fans, and welcome to the Dave Damashek Football Program, presented as always by McDonald's. Go get you some of that all-day breakfast. You know, I didn't know this until very recently. They don't have the all-day breakfast world over. It's just America. Ooh, and, and people have reached out to me as uh, as the lead spokesman for all things McDonald's to see what we can and do America. about that, you know. I, you know, I have some sway over there with uh, – you know, me and the Grimace and uh, the gang. Yeah, let's get on that. Let's get that. Let's let the whole world in on the uh, on the egg McMuffin. Shaq, Would- can I just say, by the way, that you have a megacorp sponsor, McDonald's? Yes. The Around the NFL podcast, sponsored by no one, beholden to no one. I, I know that's how you choose to position it, I'm, and good for you. Rebels. <laughs> They're outlaws <laughs> over there. Not- when, I think, when I think of Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal, I think. Rolling in on their Harleys. <laughs> Uncontrollable. <laughs> Kicking the jukebox to start the music. It is a surly crew. Local toughs. Yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> they are tough. Careful, careful when you see uh, the ATN boys rolling your way down a dark hallway. Look at those pasty whites. <laughs> All right, we have a lot to get to here. Did everybody watch the OJ documentary, by the way? Oh, amazing. Yep. What did we think? Let's start. I mean, now we're shifting hard right here, but I was talking with somebody about this. I don't even know if I want to get into this, but I, I – People seem to misunderstand. I, 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 I'm, who am I to get into the head of the filmmaker about why they made it? But people seem to be confused by saying, "Well, I mean, it seems to me when you look back on that that you know it 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 was it's weird that people were cheering on the freeway. It's like, yeah, that's part of the bizarre. That's a, that's the bizarre quality of the weirdest story of our lifetime, right? I mean, it is the that- weirdest, right? There's nothing before or since Joey Buttafuoco was weird." In the sports world, Tanya Harding, who was a competitor, kneecapping her foe, her, yeah, who was a, her countrywoman too, kneecapping her, that's in the conversation. But I still think the juice story is the weirdest of our lives. I've lived in Los Angeles, I would like eight out of the last ten years now, so I, start, I, I feel like I have a, a feeling about the city a little bit now, and it makes more sense now that I've lived here. That's what that I happened. felt. I feel like it all makes perfect sense now. You see – the flaws in the case that the prosecution made. You think you, you can see some of the nonsense. I thought Johnny Cochran, you know, was it morally right what he did, connecting, you know, the Nazi Germany and or Hitler to, to you know, it, there were some of those things that are questionable. But it all makes sense well, now that it rolled that it that it played out the way it did. And with the doc did what they did so well with the documentary. Even having lived it, we all lived that OJ trial. Uh, you knew the backdrop with Rodney King was all part of it, but they did such a great job. It wasn't just Rodney King. It was decades and decades of police brutality and just unfairness in black culture, and they really took their time to lay that out. So by the time the O.J. thing happened, it made a lot more sense. Not only that, why they, the jury I felt like at was. some point in the case, once Johnny Cochran goes in on the race card, at that point, and people start to embrace it, it felt like, well, of course, they, at, at that point, if the jury would have gone against that, that would have been another riot. And that's really what, what jumped out to me was they, they had in this documentary, they let everybody just tell on themselves and everybody given their testimonials from Marsha to, to Bill to anybody to OJ's friends. It was like they would say these really stupid things. It's like, oh, God, it just makes me cringe. Like, like just hearing the idea of this race card, that there's this metaphorical card as if it's not always like, the elephant in the room it's like you know nobody needs to play it it's always there it's it's a part of life and and so when, when you hear like stupid things it's like it's ah but what they did in the documentary was 
it really just lets you see how all these people let all this stuff happen. Yeah, you know who, who I thought, uh, if we're making a list of who came off the worst, I don't think you could do much worse than uh, OJ, but beyond him, I think the guy who they keep referring to as his former agent, Michael, the bald oh, guy, yeah. bald white guy. Where was he coming guy, from, his angle? I, he, 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 acknowledges, he acknowledges yeah. during the trial that he's 99.9% sure that OJ committed the murder and then, without explanation, continues to represent him for another 10 years. Right. And, exactly. Until the whole card-stealing thing in Vegas goes down. What, where, where's, your, uh, where's your moral fiber, bub? It was in his pocket, along with a lot of other people that were. Yeah, the, the notion of fame and then basking in the yeah. reflected glory of fame and what that causes yeah. you to do. They indict O.J. in the pursuit of being famous and all its spoils, but everybody, all his hangers on are even worse. That wasn't even their success. And they're all like, well, he, maybe he did do that, but you know what? I don't want to spoil what I, I mean, he's a celebrity after all. And I don't, and I like hanging out with him. Um, but yes, a fascinating documentary to be sure. What I was going to ask is appropriate in your book to show the photos that they showed. The crime scene photos. Yes. Uh, I, I, I think it was appropriate given the context and how much they had um, really delved into the domestic abuse and the rage that clearly was within OJ, which was part of the reason why, again, you could look at the crime scene and, and see, I've watched enough Dateline, like if it's a overkill, that's usually someone that knows the victim, someone that is coming from a place of, uh, you know, a very intimate connection with at least one of the victims. The other guy was in the wrong place at the wrong time, Ron Goldman. But I think that was done for a reason, not just in a gratuitous way. Yeah, and I think it also goes against, I think in, it, it puts into sharp contrast the people cheering and all the bros all the brosives like, right. oh, and OJ, you rule, dude. <laughs> yeah, like this is what happened, man. So that does a great job humanizing now to, to laugh about. Yeah, humanizing Nicole, which no one had really done to this point to really like. Yeah, even he, even Nicole's friends and family to a certain extent. Yeah, know, I mean, you had those clowns like Faye Resnick and yeah. stuff during when all this stuff happened. Here was an actual portrait of this a poor woman that got caught up with this monster, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people agree. And she just couldn't get out, couldn't get away from. Him. Yeah, I, I, you know, but I was uh, debating with a couple of people. They said th- th- I was inappropriate to show those photos, but maybe no matter what side, this, this isn't pro or anti, you know, gun control or anything else. I don't want to jump in on that, but there is some merit, perhaps, in whichever side of that you fall on. What you know, I've heard talk about show the photos of what the, of what that looks like whether what show those crime scene photos and that might uh, impact the way america feels about well it. yeah it's i'm i'm the type of person that looks away from the tv during injury replays and but, but I, I definitely see uh see a point but if it takes looking at pictures of somebody getting shot or stabbed for you to change your stance on whether or not it should uh, happen i don't know then, then there's probably a deeper problem to me no, i don't know about that i think i think you you it's maybe hard to make that visceral connection until you uh, until it's put right in front of you all right you know what it was a great documentary but i don't want to i don't want to I, I i fear that i might veer um up into uh, up onto Mount Pius or into the foothills here, so I don't want to do that. Instead, let's shift direction back to LeBron and his great feet. And you know, oh, and and uh, shout out because I talked about it uh, on the Rich Eisen show today. I made my oh, uh, my inaugural appearance. How'd that go? It, yeah, it, was, uh, it was great fun. What a wonderful did you needle thing. Rich at all? 
Ne- little what little show I, business? Yeah, what would I needle the face of the NFL Network? <laughs> because you're a personality on NFL Network. He's the face. Do a little needling, a little elbow ribbing. Maybe I should have because he said, he said Dave is an analyst on NFL Network. And, then, and then laughed and said, and he said, How, do, do you oh. like being called a, a, <laughs> That's re- needling of you. a reporter or an analyst? Well, because it's laughable to me, too. What am I supposed to do? Needle somebody for making a fair point? I'm Dave the Wiseacre. I'm not here to have a reporter, journalist. I like when this is. I like when people in the comments section on NFL.com uh, d- write something about that. And you call yourself a journalist? Yeah. No, never once. Never once have I called myself that. All right, but let's talk about this. Oh, and, and, so I said this to Rich today because we were talking about it. There we go. Um, and I've said this to you, Claybon. You're big. You and your pal Chris Wessling from around the NFL. <laughs> and again, uh, uh, I failed to do so at the top of the show. Around the NFL, unsponsored, and uh, what is it? Unbeholden. Unbeholden. Yeah. Um, to uh, to all thrice weekly, the uh, the grand podcast is there for your ears, and uh, and then the pages are there for you. Seven days a week on around the NFL, NFL.com. Make sure you check it out. Plus all the video segments, including. The fresh and new video segment here, the end around in video performed by one Dan Hans. The shadowy league figure got after me this <laughs> and his week. his mane of hair. For, you know, getting a little too, you know, chunky with it. And you got body. Oh, 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 running time. Yeah, and, you know, made me feel bad. I lost my confidence a little bit, but I'm going to try to bounce back this week. <laughs> you know what they say, kill your babies, Hanzus. That's yeah. what they say, you know. Yeah. That's what you got to do. You got to pare it down. Oh wait, well, how long to go? Four and a half minutes. Yeah, you got to get it down to three. You know who? You know? You know who doesn't like cutting out things that he's already written or committed to videotape? Dave Damashek. That's it. <laughs> Dave Damashek doesn't like notes. Like, yeah, you got to cut it down. No, it's all good. Why would I cut any of it out? Is my response to that. I'm but learning. listen, Pat Claybon, you and your pal Chris Wesley, you are you've forged a new brand. Of sports talker, sports commenter guy, which is so there are people, the hard boiled curmudgeons. We know all of those guys. Then the Skip Baylesses of the world come along, the hot takers. And then this becomes a thing with Stephen A and Cowherd and all these kind of guys. And we'll get into that. And, you know, there's some fraudulence there. They're looking for attention. Right. They're, They're purely doing that. But now you uh, and Chris Wessling, <laughs> yeah. And by the way, you lump like, me in with that with that like, middle group. I know I like you. Oh, West gets lumped into me. It's not fair. How you West. two spend your personal time is your own business. <laughs> we sit lump, very close to each other. Oh yeah, lump lump yourselves together however you wish. That's that's your business. It's a free country. Now listen, you guys like to beat up people like Damashek. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, you do because I say things like, you know, listen, if LeBron wins this title. He then, if he pulls off this comeback, you then have to begin, one, the discussion that this might be the greatest single comeback in sports history, including what, uh, with the Red Sox. No disagreement there. And LeBron perhaps vaults Bird and Magic and now is in the conversation for best NBA player ever along with Michael Jordan. And you and well, <laughs> LOL, LOL, how dull, so dumb, oh, not at all. That's exactly right. That's what, exactly what I say. What, what I That's say. That's exactly it. LeBron James is as good of a basketball player today as he was this time last week, which is a really, really good basketball player. And one game, whether he won or lost, 
to me, doesn't change the quality that he brings to a basketball. But you understand. Come on, player. <laughs> what's that? What's up with that? Hand Zeus, try to be as objective as you can. You see <laughs> okay. what I'm getting at here. Oh, well, I get a front row seat for all of this. I sit right next to Wes and Claybon, and I, I think Dave is onto something. I think there is some post take hot takes going on. <laughs> something like that. We gotta and get you a we gotta get a name for you. I'm not sure if I think Wes definitely Wes has an opinion on everything. I mean he'll have an opinion on white bread. Uh but Claybon is I feel like he's gotten in on the ground floor here of a unique platform uh, the natural evolution to Hot Take Nation. You guys like it's a sober kind of. It's, yes. uh, uh, you're getting a little crazy there, and I'm good. Thank goodness I'm here. You know what to, it's like to to put it all into perspective. You know what it might you. be yes. like. Claybon is like a hot take ombudsman. Yeah, that's. A- <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. I'm, I'm no Richard Dice. Right. I'm Takesman. I don't know what we need to call this, but that, I like that. That's good. Yes. But sometimes I feel like people are this, the hot take ombudsman. That's perfect. This carousel is spinning out of control wildly, and people are looking at it and like, well, why don't I just jump on? And I, I'm just saying, hey, wait, what if we just? Well, because wait it for does it stop. Because you roll. I agree. I'm with fine, you. Fine, but you know that point sounds like I say sober and <laughs> yes, Claybon gets it. Damashek with his nonsense, as if winning this title really changes LeBron. Yeah, it yeah, it does. it's it, something it, that he. Likes. It's everything. It's something Isn't that he wanted, wa- and I'm happy for him. But it doesn't. But why do you watch sports then, if you don't relish these these moments in sports history? And this was. Even in the 21st century, here's what happens. The dynamic goes like, it's not enough, if unless you are Ian Rappaport, whose job it is to issue the news. All right, so he breaks the news. That's a journalist. Beyond that, then, you have to opine on it. But as rapidly as the opinions are coming, you have to one-up whoever's opinion came out five <laughs> minutes ago. So this steers people in to sometimes lying or or misrepresenting what they really believe for the sake of saying something different or distinct. But then you swoop in after that to evaluate the veracity of the comment. And in doing so, sometimes I think you (laughs) ignore what I'm talking about, which is, Yes, LeBron winning that no. title was an all-time great thing, and everybody has to be so cynical about, well, he only did it by going through the East six times. Who no. cares? That's such a garbage conference. That's, and- yes. No, that's that's garbage that people say that. And I like how the finals ceased being a referendum on the Eastern Conference once the Cavs started making a comeback, and all of a sudden you didn't hear that anymore. Yeah, that's very which, true. Which the whole time people were saying that, I was like, well, maybe that's stupid. And that's all I'm saying is maybe it's stupid that we need LeBron to do these things in this team sport to appreciate how great he is. No, you and do. so I'm very happy no. for him. That's I, thought, I almost got you, emotional watching him celebrate, but what I'm saying is I didn't need that to Where you and Wesling and I part ways, which is <laughs> and you guys are are really trying to steer sports into being a math equation. Not at all. What? Hot take <laughs> analytics. Performing <laughs> at your best in the most critical times is what's great about sports. That's what's fun about it. It's what's great about sports, but when you have somebody who's an all-time great like LeBron James not have success, and then you have people say stupid things like, oh, well, this guy, he can't win the big game. He just he just chokes. But that's, then that's the worst thing. But that's not thing. stupid if he always does, though, which he didn't, which is why it's not fair to apply to LeBron. But, you know, people, well, you do that to Peyton. Yeah, Peyton failed a lot in big games until, you know. I don't Every, everybody loses until they win, Dave. So, you know what? <laughs> All right. I, you know what? But anyway, the, I, I I just brought it up for a whimsical little side uh, subject it's the, here. It's literally the most important thing in my and life. And now we've gotten into this. Let's talk about 
who is now that LeBron has, in my book, secured at worst the second the the the, the title of second best NBA player of all time, and there is time for him to to still vault Michael Jordan. But all right, because and, and here's my re- and let me just say this real quick before <laughs> before we jump in on something else. I just want to say one more thing in defense of LeBron. I don't think he's better than Michael Jordan, but this six for six business with Michael Jordan, as remarkable as it is, and he beat real teams too. Barkley's sons were great. The 60-something win Sonics were a great team that they almost swept there, or at least they were up 3-0 on. Those Jazz teams were good, not not necessarily all-time greats, but still good competition in the in the finals. All right, all that being said, LeBron James was on the floor in Game 7 in 2016 with Richard Jefferson, Iman Shumpert, Tristan Thompson, and and who else? No, not Kyrie. No, it wasn't Kyrie out on the floor. That Mo was, Williams was. And Mo Williams. That was the, those were the four human beings that he shared the floor with. Mo Williams and Richard Jefferson. It's 2016. When Michael Jordan was never out on the floor in any important game with, with four bums on that level. Not to say Tristan Thompson's a good player, but I mean, Michael Jordan didn't win no titles with, with that level of talent on the floor with him. I just don't remember parsing historical basketball back when Michael won and we could just appreciate Michael and sometimes I wish because nobody knew I, I, mean, ju- I just wish we could appreciate LeBron the swing by the way too in, in among 21st century sports hipsters is now the uh, as opposed to to us we always you know recency bias it seems like guys who are 21 now are really fond of throwing out names that they've never seen play like that whoa what about Bill Russell like uh, what was your favorite game you saw Bill Russell play you didn't see him play friend you don't I mean, I mean you were you to weigh in on Bill Russell's great that's why this conversation whenever you're talking about the greatest of all time is always kind of limited though that's why everyone... I always keep it the Super Bowl era that's why I do that but even that like yeah. you're you're only factoring people that are your age or older like not everybody can have that whole picture. But if you didn't see Jordan, uh, it's just like what he did with the game, the way he transcended both as an individual, and then 6-0 and is a big deal. I know he had – I agree. I think it's ma- – I mean, obviously. And Horace Grant. Phenomenal. But he also had Luke Longley and Bill Wennington. And, uh, he carried some stiffs along the way as well. I mean – He had he had Rodman and Pippen in the latter trio of championships. In the first one, he had Pippen, Ho Grant, Bill Cartwright – People laugh about Bill Cartwright's shot, but he was a legitimate player. He, I mean, he just played. He just had good teams and, and won finals, and he was the best player on those best teams. But the question is this. LeBron is the second-best NBA player of all time. Who's the second-best NFL player of all time, or at least that you've seen, Claybon? The That I've seen. Yes. The second-best NFL player. I like that it doesn't even require you to ask who's the first. I, that was the point of me asking it in that way because I thought that this would trip you up to ask no, it. You, no, you immediately – do we have an assumed one? You're absolutely right that this trips me up because there's – I don't think there is a Michael Jordan of the NFL. Patrick, th- think what show you're on. It's Terry Bradshaw. <laughs> That's <laughs> ridiculous. Um, uh, hey, I got it. You see that? Not for nothing. Hey, Wes and Claiborne, I zinged, uh, I zinged, <laughs> I zinged the pot belly pretty good there. Hey, oh, it was funny. Though. It wasn't funny. That's not. Don't don't encourage him on that. That's silly. Um, I will I will go with uh with Jerry Rice as the number two, I'll, I'll and go, that I'll means go. that your number one is Joe Montana. No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean I don't. I don't. I can't think of a number one. There, there is a number one. <laughs> but there you know who your number one. two is. Though. So I, I don't. I'm, I'm literally taking a stab at because it's. Is the it? Do you have a Michael Jordan of the NFL day? No, you is don't. There, That's the point. I mean, I think it's well. Well, Hanzus, I'll say you. 
Number three. Uh huh. Jerry Rice. Okay. Number one. He's going to say Lawrence Taylor. Tom Brady. I was going to go LT. And number two, Peyton Manning. Oh, Oh, come on. There it is. Really? (laughs) Peyton Manning is your number two. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. (laughs) Peyton Manning Manning. is better than Joe Montana? Yeah. All right. Yeah, like that's such an absurd notion. Peyton Manning is not better than almost anybody that's ever played the – Bartlett and Emma VP behind the glass. Does that make any sense to have Peyton ahead of Joe Montana to anybody? No, no sense at all. Oh, please. So, Dave, are you saying is this is this hashtag rings? Is is that where we're going with with Joe Montana? You're you're banging on Manning because he was terrible in the last eighteen months of his career. No, I don't you're care overlooking about that. Anything else. I don't like, care. I, mean, I understand he was old at that point. I'm t- I'm saying in his prime, and you know, he changed his- the game. He changed the game and was a surgeon. And a consistent winner, and he got a ring. All right, he got a second ring. Wow, Maybe he didn't that? deserve that. 18 but. is his second best of all time. I would go, I think the number one is, I, I'm tempted to say Lawrence Taylor. He was, I mean, talk about change the game. Yep. He might be my number one that I've ever watched play ball. He'd be in my top five. Yeah, LT. And then the Montana-Brady thing, is it, it's starting to – Either one of those names is, star- is starting to sit with me like, that's the best I've ever seen. I admire their deeds and their greatness in January and everything else. But if that's it, to your point, Claybon, that's the Jordan of the NFL. Kind of not uh, – doesn't feel no. as inspired, does doesn't, it? Doesn't do as much for you. He got benched when he's 34 years old. <laughs> hmm. All right, I'm going to have to think about that one. All right, next up, happy belated fathers. What happened? Oh, it's time again. Patrick Claybon's favorite segment oh, of the God. show. Oh, yeah. It's our surprise game show. Claybon loves trivia. Wow. <laughs> all right, so you guys talking Jerry Rice here. Claybon put that as his number two player of all time. Hands this, you had him number three. Correct. These games are getting more and more rigged with each with with each incarnation. Every time, whoever we have a guest in here, it's a game that suits the, the guest. Davis Last time that. we had Franciscovich in here from NFL.com, the, fr- from the franchise. Fantasy, the franchise is in here, and the question is, who are the top 20 scoring fantasy performers from last year? Well, that's his wheelhouse. That's not fair. I lost that one, but uh, I still am, I think, 5-2 and two lifetime in this game. All right, go ahead. We got a note from Wes. He said he wanted to get this game in for Claybon. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, so, uh, talking Jerry Rice here. 18 quarterbacks. The 20 worst hot takers in the 21st. At Wes and Claybon put this list together. Go ahead. All right. So we've got – so Jerry Rice, over his career, he caught passes from 18 different quarterbacks. Holy hell. How many of these quarterbacks can you name? All right. I'm going to let Hanzu start. All right. Joe Montana. Rich Gannon. Ah, that's an interesting strategy you employ there, Clavon, to not take the obvious ones off the board and make your oh foes God. think a little bit. Hanzus might not have gotten Rich Gannon. No, I had that one in my back oh, pocket. Yeah, he stole yeah. It. Yeah. I'm going to go with eight. Lefty eight. That's Steve Young, Bartlett. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you know. Hanzus. It's to you, Hanzus. Jeff Garcia. That has to be right, yeah. Claybon. 18 guys, and we've come up with four so far. Yikes. 18. This is going to be rough. Who else would have – I'm trying to think of 
Marcus, uh, the music Tui even Osiopo. ran out. <laughs> Marcus Tuo Osiopo. Ah, solid. That's ridiculous. Very nice. I'm going to go with Steve Bono. Monster. I'll tell you all right now, I'm out. That was my – I had that one in the back pocket. Uh, Bono. Bono. Oh, what about – What about? What about, Hansu says. Oh, oh, no, hands is. Elvis Gerback. Oh, oh, what a. Ah. Ah. Yep. You're going to get it? Nah, it's it's a wrap for me. You have no (laughs) guess. Elvis has left the building and his name is Claymore. This is going to be a humiliation to lose to Hanzus. And yet I'm going to here because there's got to be. the 49ers backup. Bono was there in 89. Then he I leaves. just thought of another one. Bono leaves and then comes back. So somebody was there in the 90s. Who was Steve Young's backup QB? I don't know. After Montana leaves, who's there in the early 90s for the for that team? Is it? <laughs> so, I don't know why I'm even going to. Ah, man. All right, I'm going to go Gino Gino Carmazzi. Ah! Toretta? <laughs> All right, who's in your back pocket, Hanzoos? Hanzoos wins. The Play one. the winner music. Uh, uh, Kerry Collins. There it is. Is that right, Kerry Collins? U-S-O-B. He beat me twice over. Bup, bup, bup. Muzzle tub, a feather in your cap. <laughs> the feather is in my cap that you didn't advance any farther than. Read the rest of the name. Take that, McDonald's. All right, so we have. <laughs> Go Burger King. <laughs> we Go, have ahead. Go ahead, Bartlett. Read them off. Who's Jeff that? Kemp. I, I, was gonna, I swear I would have lost anyway. I was going to say Jeff Kemp, and I thought somehow that just can't be right, Jeff Kemp. That was the one I said that would be ridiculous to say that name. All right, but instead I said Gino Carmazzi. All right, go ahead. Same thing. Uh, Rick Meyer, mm. Matt Hasselbeck. Oh, yeah. Don't forget about Steve Stenstrom. I did forget about Steve. Uh, who else was on the – Rob Johnson. Trent Dilfer. Rob Johnson. Man, some yeah. stiffs. A, a who's who of stiffs. Trent Dilfer. Yikes. That Matt Cavanaugh. Matt Cavanaugh, former the Patriots pit product. quarterback coach. That's right. Yeah. Number 12, but he played for the uh, wow. national champion, 1976 Pitt Panthers. All right. Good one there. Now, back to what I was saying. A happy belated Father's Day to uh, Dan Hanzoos um, and all the fathers out there. I was curious to to, uh, get your answers on this. It's uh, animated movie season, of course. Finding Nemo out. Nemo's dad is a good dad, a caring dad, not a macho dad, but still, you know, a winner in my book in the end because he goes to great lengths to find his little uh, orange fish. Although he falters greatly early in the film. Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because he's overprotective. And, And also, yeah, the barracuda knocks him cold and then he goes and eats the eggs. One, what is it with animated movies having to make tear jerkers in the first five minutes, making jerks out of me and the audience sitting there getting misty watching uh, Up when the balloons go? You know, the, you ever see the balloons? You, you and everybody else, Dave. Nobody, nobody. I don't think I need that. I go there to have a whimsical time with my children, and this is what's happening to me. That's the Pixar thing. They, I know. They've made that shift to get the parents invested emotionally as well. Best 
TV dad, best animated dad, best movie dad, Claybon. I start with you. Um, animated dad and movie dad are, are going to be the same person. I'm going with Mufasa. Um, oh, I like that. That's the, a good the answer. Best animated dad. That's pretty good. Um, and the best TV dad it became tough uh, because you you run into you think about Uncle Phil and his situation. <laughs> he he brings in um, you know his his nephew in a dangerous situation in West Philadelphia, brings him out here uh, to Bel Air. And and then you've got... Um, yeah, he's... I mean, Uncle Phil is really a father. Yeah. Yeah, so he's a father even to Will. And in fact, I, 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 I'm just now thinking about it, I'm going to go with Uncle Phil. It's a nice answer. Do you lose any points for abandoning your wife and then replacing her and giving her the same name? <laughs> Considerable force. Because I think that's even kind of, illegal. What, what kind of sociopath trying, does that? Psychological like warfare. He's trying to keep the family together. He but, Daddy, <laughs> she doesn't even look like Mommy. Quiet, she's your mother for all of time. <laughs> it she, wasn't even close. And she's a better lover than your mother <laughs> ever was. Now, what, uh, Hanzoos, how say you? Uh, I don't really have a, a animated one. Now my son is just starting to get old enough where I'll be going to all those movies. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah. It's one It's one of the great treats in my book. You get to go. You sit down for two hours. It's air conditioned in there. It's something that uh, you connect with your kids yeah. about. People lament having to go and see them. I, I delight we in just, the animated. We movie. just watched Kung Fu Panda over the weekend. Oh, yeah. So I'm like starting from scratch, basically. Enjoyed that. It's a good one. Anyway, so uh, for TV show, I'm going to give a tie. Well, no, I'll give Eric Taylor, Coach Taylor from Friday Night Lights, the win. Ah. Uh, great dad, great leader of men. Uh, Louis uh, from the show Louis. He's a really good dad to his daughters, too, and an interesting dude. Uh, just missing the cut, Tony Maselli from Who's the Boss? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Angela. <laughs> hey, Mona. What what life lesson is he giving his little daughter, his impressionable young daughter, as he tries to make time that, with, the, uh, with the boss lady? That in the 1980s, it was okay to be a male maid. <laughs> you can do whatever you want. Uh, and movie, this one I, I really am confident about. Uh, Larry Fishburne, Boys in the Hood. Uh, yeah, he does. Now that it. was a positive male figure. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, yeah, that's right. He teaches them uh, the full range of uh, you know taking care of your own business and uh, how to self be a man. That's right. Yeah, uh, self respect. A couple of honorable mentions: uh, Brian Mills as uh, Liam Neeson in Taken. And uh, <laughs> President Thomas. Whoa, that's I think that's one. nice. That's nice. President yeah. Thomas Whitmore in Independence Day was not only a father who helped his daughter through an emotional crisis, but he was the president of the United <laughs> States and saved the world. Yeah. Well, his oh, wife got iced. You got to take yeah. five points for that. <laughs> We're not talking so about. We're not talking about his people. spousal work. We're talking about his uh, parenting work. You know what? I did. I cheated a little bit and did a little research before the show on greatest TV dads. There was a BuzzFeed countdown list from 2014. Who do you think was number one? Oh, I, I can guess. TV dads. Heathcliff Huxtable. Yep, number one. Do Dr. Heathcliff, <laughs> uh, Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable. Is it morally wrong, Patrick Claybon, here in 2016? Yes. Listen, Heathcliff Huxtable, we don't know anything about him. All he was was a was a successful OBGYN. Had he just been a, a banker or something, yeah, would've we wouldn't better. make the connection. But to think that uh, what he was what uh, he was an OBGYN, yeah, that's unfortunate in hindsight. Still standing. Mr. Cunningham from Happy Days, if you go way back. Oh, yeah. Stephen Keaton, underrated father on an underrated uh, 80s sitcom, Family Ties. The format, the way they would tell the stories, was the exact same cookie-cutter um, uh, outline every single episode at around the 20-minute mark. 
one of the kids gets into an argument with one of the parents and it blows up in a public setting. They would be in a shoe mm. store and suddenly everyone would fall silent while parent and child argued and then they would go back to the kitchen and resolve their issues. But still, some funny jokes on that show. How about tying back together something we talked about earlier in the show about sports teams and how it could affect the dynamic to the relationship? Got to give him credit, the father, because he was a hippie. And then Alex P., of course, staunch Republican, conservative, and he let his son breathe. He said, that's who you are. This is who I am. I still love you. That is nice. See, maybe that should be instructive to you, Dan Hanzoos, as you try to raise a Rams fan in your home. (laughs) Don't say it. I'm out of here. Ned Stark. I'm putting in my four-year notice at NFL.com <laughs> right now. What a, <laughs> what a public humiliation, though. Yeah, that really – that it could be bad. Like, you, hey, look at it. It's NFL media superstar Dan Hanzoos and his Rams fan child. His bastard child. That's sort of like Maurice Jones-Drews. I mean, this is true of a lot of uh, athletes. Uh, MJD's uh, son's favorite player – on the Jags in history was Josh Scobie. That's I mean that's an that that's worse, right? You don't want Josh Scobie. Josh Scobie, the kicker, is who is who uh, Maurice's uh, son's favorite. He, didn't, he wasn't the one that put the axe into his foot, did he? Why is that? No, that was no that no that's uh, the Hunter. hunter. Yeah. Wait, why is that bad? Why is that bad? Are you insinuating that he doesn't like his father? <laughs> no, I imagine that though. <laughs> what, what if what, what if uh, football baby said like, yeah, you're great, but I but I think Mark Sessler's even better. Like what? I don't like. I don't need that. My own home. That's a kicker. I don't need to be. Yeah, it's a <laughs> kicker too, right? Um, I said Ned Stark. How do we feel about Ned Stark? He, he lost his head. Yeah, he failed. <laughs> he didn't protect his children. <laughs> Ned was very. Now they're out there running amok. Yeah. He was very principled, and he put his kids in some good situations. But he loved John Snow like he was his own. He, he didn't give them enough to properly protect themselves in a world that he knew. Was could be treacherous. He didn't have them prepared to deal with treachery. You know what? Now you now you're right because he could have saved his head, but he refused out of principle, and he could have been there for his kids. Instead, it, now they're wandering around the uh, the seven kingdoms. Didn't he go outside his marriage to Father uh, John Snow? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not we believe. This guy's father. a scoundrel on many levels. Now scratching out uh, <laughs> Ned Stark for all of time. Best animated father. I'm going with Mr. Incredible. He can protect you physically. He went through some his uh, some of his own emotional trials and travails, but came out clean on the other side. All right, so there you have that one. And uh, lastly, before we uh, before we review the uh, scoring update for Game of Thrones, I'm anxious to see how that uh, looks right now because Jon Snow laid waste laid waste to uh, to Bolton's army there, and I'm going to get a lot of kill points for that. But best. Wide receiver group, Jamison Crowder, as I mentioned, says D.C.'s got it. And watching in January, it suddenly occurred to me, and by the way, the subject of, uh, in part, of uh, on NFL 360 on Wednesday night at 9.30 Eastern is uh, Kirk Cousins and that great receiver group. It occurred to me in January last as they won a division, hey, you know what? They are loaded at wide receiver. Now, they're a little old, and Garcon's injury-prone, and so is Deshaun Jackson. That's the knock against them. But I do like this, and especially if you include Jordan Reed, who's a glorified wide receiver. Is there a better receiver group? Dan Hanzoos. Uh, I'm just looking at it now. You know, one group to keep an eye on is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Hmm. Allen Robinson and Allen Hearns, that's a, that's a great one. What if Marquise punch. Lee? 
can stay right and be out on the field. He's a, he was a burner at SC. He's had some leg injuries, though, since yeah. he got to the NFL. I mean, I'm not buying into the the hype of the AFC South as much as a lot of other people are right now, but I do think they will be able to score a lot of points between Bortles and those two guys, and if Lee does something. I'll, I'll throw out the Jags. Yeah, and and I will uh, say it if, if Dan feels like he can't or shouldn't, that the Jets uh, have a better wide receiver group than the Washington Redskins. Oh, yeah. That's one-two, yeah, the Jets. I, the depth is a little uh, suspect, but no, there was no better one-two combination than Marshall and Decker last year. And I, I can't overlook the Packers. I mean, the the difference, if Jordy Nelson comes back as Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb slides into a role. He can easily be a 110-catch guy. Uh, Devontae Adams, Jeff Janis, a guy who, who came on the radar at the end of the season. I know I don't want to get too excited. I, I could see the chuckles, Clayvon. No, no, it made me think of a He's great – He's the HTO, 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 the hot take ombudsman. No, I, it, made me. Me think, <laughs> no it made me think of a funny tweet that I saw that said Jeff Janis runs routes like Rick and Stark. <laughs> I don't get the ref. Rick and Stark. I don't know. I'm it, bad with Game of Thrones stuff. Rick and Stark was running through the field. Oh, the boy. <laughs> yes. Ah, Jon yes. Snow tried Sorry. to save him. My bad. Uh, but, yeah, a, a healthy Jordy and a healthy Randall Cobb – Packers are going to score maybe a record-setting amount. What about, just to throw it out, the Oakland Raiders now with, uh, you know, Michael Crabtree, and I'm not talking about like Reggie Wayne two years ago with Andrew Luck was putting up some numbers. that Reggie Wayne was a number one. Yeah, but he's no longer a number one. Michael Crabtree was a couple of years ago he was perceived to be the 49ers who were a contender. He was their number one uh, wide receiver, and now – he plays second fiddle to Amari Cooper. That's a pretty nice uh, one-two punch you got going there. But uh, yeah, I'm impressed by that DC one. So we're not complete. We're not uh, just uh, laughing at this as as off-season no, hyperbole. It's an argument that, that can be made. All right. And you throw in if you want to count the tight ends as well. I mean, that's a dynamic offense. Yeah. Now, is Kirk Cousins actually good? That'll be something. Yeah, to that's watch that's the question to be answered. Never beat a team with a winning record last year. Yeah. But the connection that we've pointed out before is we try to compile, and once and for all, we do before seasons kick off, Bartlett behind the glass, have to put together a proper ten commandments, or if it's you know, if it's eight commandments or sixteen commandments of what you need to win a Super Bowl, and we pair away the stuff that is allegedly a requirement, and we're just going to pare it down to the things that you actually must have to win a Super Bowl, and a great uh, receiving core is not on that list. No. Look at the teams that have gotten to the Super Bowl that have won the Super Bowls in the last five years, and uh, it's not like you have some superstar wide receiver on every one of those rosters. So uh, so anyway, so an interesting point, something to talk about here in June, but not necessarily the most important thing. What is the most important thing now that basketball and hockey are over, and all we have here is baseball and I guess the Olympics for 16 days and then finally football, is Game of Thrones, the game of life, and we only have one episode left of that. Claybon, how – oh, before we jump into that, though, what do we ta- make of – I'm sorry, before we get to that, I want to talk about Skip Bayless <laughs> and his departure. Listen, you love the hot takers. Yeah. This is the thing. I mean, there's an entire network now here in L.A. that is devoted to – that is just – basically steered away from being a news operation and purely being commentary-based. And and I think that's unfortunate because that's the perception. And, I, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people working over there that are doing the best that they can to, you know, carry the torch of uh, of whatever we're trying to do. Uh, and I say that as we as, like, the entire industry. Um, but I, I just hope that uh, anybody that's trying to do it the right way over there doesn't lose their job to because they have to pay this $4 million salary. Uh, to a guy that's uh, 
as you said, been kind of disingenuous in order boy, oh to, boy. to I, gain yeah, attention. You're much harder on him than I am. But, I, yeah, no, I get it. Complete, I get where you're coming from completely. Hanzoos, any thoughts on uh, Skip Bayless jumping from Bristol to L.A.? Uh, it was a desperate move by Fox. We'll see if it works out. I do. I think Claybon needs Skip, just like Skip <laughs> needs Claybon, like a Batman-Joker <laughs> dynamic no. uh, because they make each other great in a way. I feel that I've had him blocked on. I I feel years. like Skip. <laughs> I you know what I think legitimately jumped the shark. You know what I mean by that. I think that J- Skip may have jumped the shark on Sunday night when he tweeted out in the moments after, and he's getting tormented by people for denouncing LeBron and everybody's calling him out on that. He tweets out this uh, Cavs team would have gotten whipped by or would have gotten swept by the Spurs. I think that made it clear that he's doing that he's tweeting purely to troll people. He's just trying to mess with people. And up until that point, there was something to it that I imagine to a percentage of the population people thought he believes what he's saying. You know, he this is what he's saying, whether you agree or not. That was blatantly I'm just doing that to tweak people, and that's a bad look for him. I do that kind of stuff because I'm because I'm, you know, not not to be above anything like that, but you know, I'm basically satirizing right. the hot takers when I like the hot take on, to see what reaction it gets. But, yeah, I think – I know it's coached because I was on the air on ESPN, and, in fact, I had a direct conversation with the program director who had worked with Colin Cowherd and Stephen A. and these guys, and he said that you have to take a page from what those guys do. They just take the minority opinion and defend it. Mm. And uh, to me – my, my response to that is, well – that might be compelling to the audience, but it's soulless. If you don't believe what you're saying, then what are you predicating everything around unless you're, de- you know. And and then on the other hand, though, everybody loves to take shots at these guys, and it makes us feel good to take the higher ground and Bayla, Skip, you're a dummy, and Stephen A. And Stephen A., remember, as I always like to point out, goes through life when people say, hey, Stephen A., he doesn't correct them and say, no, come on, call me Steve. No, he's like no Stephen A. Stephen A. is my name. That's how he goes through life, which is which is weird. Do we but have that as a fact? We know that he, Stephen A. Everybody calls him Stephen A. Nobody's hey Steve. Hey yeah. Steve. Although Patrick, you might want to come on down yourself and just be Pat. Mm. I'll t- I'll take anything. Pat I can call you Patty from now on. Hey, Patty Ombudsman. Clayvon Clayvon is a Patrick though. Like I I couldn't call Clayvon Pat it, or Patty. If we, if we start going with the middle initial, then we're gonna have an issue. Yeah, if, if I that well, that would be just pointless syllables. Levin pulls off the Patrick. The one thing I will say though is that these guys, I, I think we we feel satiated by taking shots at those guys, like oh this guy, like, he's not going to work out at Fox, or this guy's not going to work out in his new place. You know what? It doesn't have to work out for them because they're now all filthy rich. Those guys. Yeah. Everybody, they're successful. They have a high-profile position on television. This is everybody would trade places with them, and yet I don't think it's owed to jealousy. But I do, you know, I don't think if you're taking shots at those guys, it's owed to jealousy. But I do remind, if it, just because it might make you not you, Claybon, any of us feel good to say, ah, look at Skip's, uh, Skip's, uh, look at what he, uh, ridiculous statement number two hundred ninety-eight of the week. Yeah, he's he's filthy rich. So I don't know what to make of that. My my take my take oh my god my, yeah my, uh, you H2, lose. HTO. I I just I just want people to know that it's disingenuous that he doesn't act, I, I mean, think everyone the, knows no I, hope. I, I think no I that's the thing I, really? if I if there's one thing I think 
a lot of those guys out there say things that they don't believe. And to me, that's soulless. I have no artistic uh, integrity to speak of, but I, th- that's a bridge too far. And, and now they've just got shoot a... my mouth off about things that I know are going to get attention even if I don't yeah, believe and, them. And now there's a few of them well, working over there. Um, and, and so it's um, – I, I just hope people know that and don't try to, like, learn anything from them. Let's get Claybon a fedora. <laughs> That's what I've learned lately. Oh, oh. needs a fedora to sit out here with hands. The, the, by the way, the tweet after that one, he makes the case that Kyrie Irving should have been the MVP of the series. LeBron <laughs> led both teams in five major offensive statistics and defensive. Uh, dis- but, oh but then you yeah. see people parroting that. They, they, they're like, oh, well, that, that makes sense. And the problem is they say these things in such a way that they make sense to some people. Right. And then those people repeat that. Stupid they, people. And they turn sports, which we love and care about, into this stupid conversation <laughs> that's really annoying. That's, hmm. that's what I feel. Like. Well, thank goodness that hasn't bled into uh, the presidential campaign. of <laughs> 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 Last thing, Game of Thrones. Give me an updated scoring here. I better a slayed, figuratively and literally, or Jon Snow literally slayed, so I better have a big point total here. What do we got going here? Hey, after Sunday night's episode, we are still working on tallying up the scores. So many deaths. There's no, there are murders, no games. What are you, there are no football games. What, what have we been doing? Uh, two days. Uh, it's the, the, the panel is debating it. The panel. I, I, you, you and your meisters. Do you, do you get points for having the kill? Yes. So, but, so ju- uh, is a spoiler? No, free? you can make. Yeah, okay. spoiler alert, everybody. Spoiler alert. Here they come. Jon Snow didn't kill Ramsey. The dogs did, right? And that's a that's a bone of contention. Hands, uh, handsome Hank thinks he deserves all the points from Arya's dragons because he has Arya, which I don't think is right. And if that's the logic, then don't I get all of Jon Snow's army's kills against the Bolton army? <laughs> That's like a million. Well, well, doesn't this? That's right. It's like a million. Guess <laughs> what? Two. That's that's the can Game of worms. Over. That's a can of worms. Handsome wanted to open up. Well, this this goes, now it's open, friend. This goes back to the. I've uh, called. I've called. Uh, I've said. Uh, I've called people derisively uh, friend about seventeen times. <laughs> ago, by the way, this goes back to the the fire of the of the calls. That's right. Right. And so, didn't you want points for? The act of keeping them inside. Yeah, but you know what? I'm a man of honor, and I am only as good as my word, and I said I won't bring that up anymore. After we took a vote, we but took a vote of the producers. The Meisters weighed in. They said no points for Damashek from Dario, but Dario has his giant cutlass ready to go with the uh, Dothraki this yeah. coming week, and he's going to lay waste <laughs> to a bunch of people too. Our bottom line is I'm, I'm winning this season. There's, I mean, Jon Snow killed like 20 people. The that other. that sets the precedent, though, that Sansa should not get credit for for the hounds for the for the hounds kill the dogs. Like I said, to, oh, and by the way, yeah, let's look a clip of that real quick here. Kevin Hogan of the Chiefs, late of the Stanford Cardinal, joined us. He's a uh, he's a Game of Thrones scholar. He's a Westerosi scholar, and I mentioned to him. The only thing that would have been more fun and really would have completed the circle for Bolton, I thought it was great for the dogs to to eat him up. But in honor of Theon Greyjoy, it would have been fun if they had been wiener dogs. Wouldn't that have been fun? And it would have been a cuter death too, Much cuter. but but more painful for <laughs> Bolton. Cuter for us to watch, but more painful because it would have taken forever. Yeah. How long would it take for like even like four or five wiener dogs to kill you? I don't even know if they could do it. You you might need like twenty or. 30. Yeah, with that, well, they could do it. It's just a matter of how long it would take. <laughs> Might take all afternoon. Start Get it over with! <laughs> just tied down. You not can't gonna be do like, anything because they're chewing at you. It's not going to be like a jugular uh, 
job by one of the uh, wieners. No, no. It's yeah, it's going to be a slow, a slow bleed. Yeah. The wieners chew away at your uh, extremities. Hey, all right, so let's take a quick listen here because you can track this down at NFL. We all have our favorite characters, and I, I think that in the room it'd be Jon Snow and Tyrion. Uh, um, you know, none of us have the, the Lannister hair, so I, I think we'd have to say Stark. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're you know, they're the, the family in, in the show that everyone grew, grew up with at the beginnings with Ned Stark and the whole family and then kind of went through their troubles with them. So um, I, I think they, I'd say we're, we're the Starks. You didn't even let me set it up. That was Kevin Hose. Was he at a wildlife sanctuary? Yeah, no, that, I said I think. Bird was all about some Game that's, of Thrones. That's what we realized. He was that's singing right. the song of Ice and Fire back we then. We said he's, yeah, well, that's what I told him. I said, I said, you're clearly on Team High Sparrow is what, <laughs> is what I can gather from where you are, friend. Um, but what he was saying was <clears throat> Kevin Hogan, he and all the chiefs in the quarterback room kibitz about uh, Thrones all the time. Alex Smith is a big fan and – what was the guy? It was the kid's name from uh, Tyler Bray, from Tennessee, and uh, and so on. So, all right, there you go. Go track that down. NFL.com is that also up on YouTube for people to track down? Go on YouTube. You'll find. Look for NFL. Subscribe to it. You'll see videos from the likes of Dan Hanzus, Dan Hanzus's hair, Mark Sessler, and a bunch of other people there. And Dave Damashek is uh, is there too. Also go to NFL.com where you'll find around the NFL news, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, always delivered with a touch of mirth. Patrick Claibon bringing you all the news on NFL Network. That's the face you see. Great work, by the way, during the OTAs. That was cool to watch you Thanks, man. doing all that stuff. We'll be back <clears throat> with a video episode as well as an audio version of it for you later in the week you can play the music all you want doesn't mean i'm going to be done talking you see that i just blew right by the stop zone keep on playing it all you want to it's not going to do anything power play. So, you know what it does at some point it crosses a line and then i get angry and then i ha- and then i just i'm going to keep talking just to do it to out of out of spite that's what that I, I that's a good way to end out of spite 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 <laughs> want to play it one more time Hey, presented by McDonald's. Go get you some all-day breakfast. Dan Hanzoos. Listen to the Around the NFL podcast. Patrick Claibon, Emma VP. Back later in the week. Spite, spite. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, 
Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.